Okay, so as you see, we, we are starting a brand new series, starting tonight, called Evangelism 101, How Do I Share My Faith? So we just finished up our Disciplines series, and that was going through just several different spiritual disciplines. And so we purposely ended last week on the discipline of evangelism. And so the reason we purposely ended it on that one is because that was going to lead into this series where it's just about how do I share my faith? And so throughout this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at several different methods of how to share the gospel message. But not only do I just want to teach it to you and then that's it, I want to teach it to you and then give you time that same night to be able to practice that method with one another kind of in a safe environment and just be able to work on that, to kind of get reps, if you will, on that. But tonight... We're going to look at, just before we start beginning methods of how to share the gospel, we want to make sure we get the gospel message first. So before we start sharing this message, we want to make sure what is this gospel message that we are sharing. And so that's what we're going to study tonight. But before we do that, I want to ask you all a question uh, that I would love to get feedback from. Have you ever had really exciting news, like so exciting that you couldn't help but share it with other people? Anybody ever have news like that? Okay, what was that news? Okay, that's awesome. What else? What is other exciting news you had you couldn't help but share with other people? Anybody else? Abby. Um, we just bought a new house. Nice. Very exciting. Madison. When both my brothers got, I mean, both my brothers mm-hmm. proposed at the same time. Nice. Very, very cool. Preston. You got a four-wheeler for Christmas? Nice. Gracie. I killed a bandit duck. Okay. <laughs> Teach their own? Nice. Anybody else? Anybody else exciting news? Maybe for some of y'all, it's when, let's say, you made a sports team. Maybe for some of y'all, it's when you made, let's say, like a, uh, like a leading role in a theater or a very important role that you really wanted. Maybe for some of y'all, it's getting voted president of your student council. Very awesome. Things like that is we all have different exciting news. Like some for me that I wrote just as examples that I thought of is uh, when I got into the two different schools. So when I got into Liberty that I went to for undergrad and earned my bachelor's there, or when I got into Southeastern, which is the seminary school I really wanted to go to. And I got in there and currently working on my master's for that. That was super exciting. Uh, I wrote down just anything to do with Rebecca. So when I started dating Rebecca, I was very excited and couldn't help but tell people and post about it. Um, when we got engaged, we were super excited and couldn't help but share. Or when we got married, I also put uh, when, when we got our dog, Hercules, we got our little basset hound because I've never been able to own a dog before. So it's super cool for me to be able to have a dog. And he is sassy and sweet and everything else you could think of. But we were so excited about that. Or another one that the last one I put down that, that I genuinely was so excited and couldn't help but share was honestly when I got called here to become y'all's next student pastor that I couldn't help but go home and just share with a bunch of people just that I was so excited um, to, to be where God was calling me to be and to be able to just hang out and, and be able to, to hopefully shepherd this awesome group of students very, very well. And so that was all exciting news. And so whenever we have exciting news, we want to share it. We can't help but share news that's exciting. And so what we want to look at is the gospel means good news. That's how we define the gospel, that it is good news. And so if we are a follower of Christ, so if you are a follower of Christ, if you proclaim to be a Christian, then that means Christ has commanded us to share this good news with other people. 
And it should be to the point where it's such good news that we can't help but share it with other people. And that's what we're going to look at, especially when we look through this. We can't help but people. We can't help but share it. In fact, we're called to be heralds of the gospel. Does anybody know what a herald is? Anyone want to take at least a guess of what you think a herald is? So not quite. Kind of. So here's, here's what a herald is. Anybody ever seen kind of like uh, in, in movies or plays, that person that stands up in the town square and says, Hear ye, hear ye. Here is a message from the king. Here is a decree. That's what a herald is. That they just take whatever the king said, where the king says, Hey, I want you to write this down and I want you to go deliver it to the people. And it's all the person does is they don't edit it. They don't change it. They just take it and go and say, hear ye, hear ye, this is what the king has said. And so what we're going to do as followers of him is King Jesus has given us a message. And he says, I want you to take this message, go into all the world, and proclaim this to other people. Saying, hey, there is a way for you to be saved and reconciled. Or see, as the words of Jesus, you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So before we get into the different methods of how to share the gospel message, we want to make sure we get the gospel message right first. And we're going to look at tonight is that the gospel message is all about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, that it all points to him. That the gospel, it's God's story of redemption, of redeeming all of mankind and all of creation back to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. That the gospel is about the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus according to the scriptures as we see it. So this is what we're going to be studying tonight. So let's pray, and then we're just going to jump right into it. So let's pray. So dear Lord, we just come before you as just fallen, sinful human beings in desperate need of your grace. That we can fall so short of being able to share this amazing good news. I'm guilty of this. That that sometimes we can get scared or, or just kind of locked up. We're not sure what to say in this, but would you just help us as we study this message, just remind us of the beauty of the gospel, just how amazing it is, how transformative it is. And would it stir within us a desire not only to see how we are saved, but to see that there is a world out there that is lost and other people that need to be saved. We can only be able to preach this message and other people become saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you purify all of us of our pride? Would you help open up our ears to hear this? Open up our mind to understand this? Open up our hearts to convict us of just where we have fallen short or just encourage us with the truths from your gospel? And then would you send us outward to be able to proclaim this message to others as we are going into our communities so that we can make Christ's name known and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So here's what we're going to see. That there is, we can break down the gospel, if we will, and explain this gospel message, this gospel story, into six parts. So we're going to look at those six parts. The first one is part one, God's kingdom reigns. God's kingdom reigns. And so don't worry about all the, let's say, the different scriptures. See, we're not going to try to run through all those. That is just for you to be able to go back later after this and just kind of see as we work through this to study that. So first one is God's kingdom reigns. So we have to start, as any story, in the beginning. And that's the first three words that we see in scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, God created everything in perfect unity and harmony and alignment according to his design, all of it for his glory. 
So everything in all of creation was in perfect unity with God. So from the skies above to the seas below to the animals that inhabited the sky and the sea and the land, the plants and vegetation, the landscapes, human beings, everything was in perfect harmony and unity and alignment with God just as he perfectly designed it. So creation and creator lived in perfect harmony and unity in God's original perfect design where everything was good. Where it said he looked upon creation and said it was good. Or he looked upon man and woman and said it is very good. So in this part, God is establishing his kingdom. But then we move into the second part of this story. And part two is rebellion in God's kingdom. Rebellion in God's kingdom. So this is where the serpent, or otherwise known as Satan, comes onto the scene and enters into the story. So here's what God did. God created everything, and then he told Adam and Eve that he has given them everything and provided everything for them to thrive, to prosper, to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue the earth and take dominion over the earth. That that's what he commanded them to do and gave them everything he needed. From the vegetation, of food and everything to eat, all that stuff. But then he also gave them a second commandment. Or second command, and it said, just do not eat of the, tr- the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you do, you will surely die. And so this is where Satan comes in, disguised as the serpent, and he twists God's words. This is where he twists God's word and he tempts Eve. Where he says, did God really say this Did God really say that you'll die? Surely you won't die. You'll become like God. That you won't die. And so here's what happened. Because Satan twisted those words and still does that same thing today, did God really say that you need to wait for this or do this or do it this way? So because of that, Eve heard these words and she was tempted. She was tempted. And then we see, we see in Genesis 3, it said that Eve looked at the tree. So she looked in the direction of the tree. And that she saw that the tree was delightful to the eyes, that the fruit was delightful to the eyes, and that it was good for wisdom and knowledge. And so she succumbed to that temptation, and her and Adam ate of the fruit of the tree. And so in that moment, when both Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, is that mankind fell because they desired to be their own God. They desired to be number one. They traded in the truth of God for the lie of Satan. That they decided they were going to worship themselves as the ultimate creator rather than the creator himself. And so they disobeyed God. They rebelled against God. And so this disobedience, this rebellion against God is what we call sin. When we disobey and rebel against God is called sin. And so because of their rebellion, sin entered into the world, causing a separation between God and man. And so what was once a perfect relationship between God and man, what was once a perfect harmony and unity has now been shattered and broken because sin has entered into it, infected all of creation, and has put all of creation under a curse. So this is what happens. The rebellion has entered into God's kingdom, and now a separation has happened. But now we see part three is the beginning of redemption. The beginning of redemption. So here's the thing. Even though Adam and Eve had sinned, even though they disobeyed God and rebelled against God, God still loved Adam and Eve. 
He still loved Adam and Eve, and he still loves all of those that rebel against him. So here's what God did now. God made a prophecy towards the serpent. He said, okay, there's going to be one that's going to come, and you might be able to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. He's going to overcome you, and that's what's going to happen. So this is where God set into motion his plan to ultimately redeem his people and all of creation back to him. So it started when God made a covenant with Abraham. So he started with Abraham, and he made a covenant with Abraham. And he told Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. That you are going to have so many offspring from your line. And in fact, one of those that's going to come from your lineage is going to be Jesus Christ. The promised one that is going to crush the head of Satan. That is going to overcome sin and redeem all of creation back to God. So it's during this time in the Old Testament, there was prophecy after prophecy made, ultimately pointing to Christ. So it's prophecy after prophecy made in the Old Testament that is all pointing to the coming Messiah in the New Testament. In fact, there is over a hundred prophecies made saying there's going to be one that's coming. There's going to be a promised one that's coming. He's going to come from the line of King David. He's going to come from Abraham. He's going to overcome all of this. But it's also during the same time that, yes, while all these prophecies are being made and people are waiting on that, the people of God, the Israelites, here's what they keep doing. They hear this plan of God to redeem everything, but they doubt God's plan. Then they rebel against God. Then they eventually turn back to God after they realize they've strayed so far away from him. And then God forgives them. And they're saying, we're going to commit this time. We're going to, we're going to pursue God wholeheartedly. Until eventually they doubt God's plan and then rebel against God and stray from God and then need to turn back to God and be forgiven and say they're going to commit again until they doubt and rebel. And on and on and on, this broken cycle goes because of sin. That, that they're unable to keep these commands. They're unable to stay true to God because sin has entered into the world. And so creation is broken. Humanity is broken. Because now everything after Adam and Eve has been born with this sin nature. And so something has to be done to address sin. And that's when we enter into part four of this story, which is Jesus, the king. Jesus, the king. This is the part where Jesus Christ comes on to the scene and enters into God's plan of redemption. He is conceived by the Holy Spirit. That, that, he is, that he is conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and that is birthed by Mary. So here's the thing. This promised Messiah has finally come. Hundreds upon hundreds of years, hundreds of prophecies, all the waiting. From Malachi to Matthew, there was hundreds upon hundreds of years of silence of not hearing from God, and now the promised Messiah has finally come. Here is the second Adam that was prophesied in the Old Testament, except this time Jesus succeeds where Adam failed. In fact, Jesus came to do what Israel and Adam could not do. He keeps all 613 commands. He keeps all of the law. He lives a perfect, sinless life. And he dies on the cross to take on the penalty for the sin of all of mankind that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. 
So all of the sins, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, all the way up to this point, and then all into eternity future till the end of time is that Jesus takes on all of sin. So his sacrifice covers the sins of all of mankind for all of time, past, present, and future. So not only was he atoning for all the sins of the people that came before him, the people that was during that time, but all of us even now. So all the sins that Christ knew about past or even the sins we committed today or all the sins that we might commit later tonight or tomorrow or several years down the road, Jesus paid the price for all of those sins by taking it on the cross. So here's the thing. Because Adam and Eve sinned against a holy and perfect God, then it can only take a holy and perfect sacrifice to appease God and pay that penalty. But here's the dilemma, is that if it takes a holy and perfect sacrifice, there's nothing in creation that can appease that. There's nothing in creation that can pay that penalty because everything in creation is infected with sin and is under the curse of sin. So anybody that's been born after Adam and Eve, if they've been born by natural conception, then they're born, we're all born with a sin nature. All the animals that are born after, after that, they're born sinful. So even if they gave their perfect lamb or what they thought was the most perfect lamb they got, it would still have sin in it. And so it could not totally appeal and pay the penalty for all of sin. But here's the thing, here's the beauty of it. Because Jesus was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit, by the Virgin Mary, because it's God's perfect and holy son, because his divine nature, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension are all sufficient, meaning it's enough for one to truly be reconciled back to God. So Jesus the King has stepped onto the scene. He stepped down from heaven into sinful creation and has paid the penalty for all of sinful creation for all of time. That is amazing news, but it gets better. Here's we enter into part five of this story. It's a call to join God's kingdom. It's a call to join God's kingdom. So because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, he has bridged the gap. He has bridged the chasm between God and mankind. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we're invited to be able to follow him. So as we read about earlier how we are children under wrath if we're not in Christ, we're invited to now become children under grace because of Christ. So we can become a follower of him. We can become a child of God and reconcile back to him if we will repent of our sins that we're living in, if we will turn to Christ, if we will believe in him, Believe that he is the promised Messiah. Believe that he did live a perfect, sinless life. Believe in his finished work on the cross, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection and ascension. If we believe in that, then not only do we receive Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, but we receive salvation and we're reconciled back to God. God that we're once at odds with. God that we rebelled against constantly. Loved us so much that even while we wanted nothing to do with him, he sends Christ to die for our sins. And then we can still be made new and reconciled back to God because of Christ. Now, if we have repented of our sins and believed in this finished work, now we are followers of him, but now we are representatives of his heavenly kingdom here on earth. That's what we're made now. So if we're in Christ, we are now heavenly representatives here on earth 
in our different communities. Because before Jesus ascended back up into heaven, he gave us our marching orders, if you will. He gave us a command that we are to go and tell and invite everyone to all the ends of the earth to repent of their sins, believe in Christ, follow him, so that way they can go tell other people to repent of their sins, believe in Christ, and follow him. That is what we are called to do. And so we are to be witnesses for him in our communities, in our local communities, in our state, in our nations, and everywhere we go in the world. So wherever we go in the world, we are to be representatives of Christ. Or scripture says, we are ambassadors for Christ. So those of us who God has reconciled back to himself through the message and ministry of reconciliation, those of us that have been reconciled back to God through the message of the gospel, it says he now entrusts us with that same message, that same message and ministry, and sends us back out to go tell other people about Jesus. In fact, Jesus says, just as the Father sent him into the world to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, believe. Jesus says, I am now sending you to his followers then and to us now as his 21st century followers. I'm sending you into the world to tell the world, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To repent of your sins, believe in Christ and be made new, to be reconciled back to God that you can be healed of your brokenness, that you can be forgiven of all of your sins, that we are to go do that. And so that is what we're commanded to do. And then that's when we have this last part. Jesus returns to complete the work. Jesus returns to complete the work. So this is the culmination of all of God's redemptive plan. So this is where Jesus comes back a second time to earth. This is what we're still waiting on now. So the first time Jesus came to earth, he came to reconcile mankind back to God through his sacrifice on the cross. So he came to pay the penalty for our sins. But now the second time he comes back, he's coming back to earth to establish the new Jerusalem. He's coming back to establish the kingdom of God that we are to be advancing and telling other people about that is coming and for them to repent and believe. So when he comes back, he's going to make all things new. So everything that's under the curse of sin will no longer be under the curse of sin. It'll be purged and cleansed. And so that it's back to what it originally started at in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. We see in Revelation, it says that he will wipe away every tear. Just think about this. When Jesus comes back a second time, he will wipe away every tear, which means this, which means death will be no more, which means cancer will be no more, divorce will be no more, anxiety and depression will be no more, broken homes will be no more. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, because sin will be no more. It's in this part where Jesus brings everything back into perfect unity and harmony and alignment with God as it originally was when the universe was first created. And it's in this part, if you will, the, the finale, if you will, where we get to perfectly worship God forever. So sin will no longer affect things. They're able to walk alongside God again. They're able to worship 
God, without the chains and shackles or limitations of, of just sin. They were able to worship Him perfectly. This is the gospel message. If we explain it in six parts, God, kingdom, reign, rebellion in God's kingdom, beginning of redemption, Jesus the king, called to join God's kingdom, Jesus returns to complete the work. This is the gospel message that we are to cherish and preach to ourselves daily. This is the gospel message that saves, that if we are in Christ, this is the gospel message that saved you. And that if you are now in Christ, this is the gospel message that continues to sanctify you and continues to help you grow more like Christ. This is the gospel message that saved us, and we are to now go share this message with other people. That is what we are called to do. So here's what I want to do now. With any time we present the gospel, we want to have a time to respond and have a time to kind of, I'm going to give some instructions for that too. So I just don't want to assume everyone in here is a Christian. I don't want to be, if you will, naive in that sense. And so maybe you've never believed in this gospel message. Maybe that has not been you. So what I want you to do is I want to give you a chance tonight that you can repent of your sins and believe in Christ and be changed forever and radically transformed or reconciled back to God. In fact, it says that when one sinner returns home and is saved, all of heaven celebrates and throws a party. I want to give you that chance. But also... I also want to say, if there's some of you in here that you believed in the gospel, that you are a Christian, and maybe you're struggling, or you've been straying far from God, and you just, you feel like you're so far away, I want you to know this gospel message is for you too. Because yes, as we await the coming kingdom, when sin will be no more, we still struggle with sin in this life. But we have Christ working in and through us to help us with that. And if you'll repent of your sins and come back to him, he will is faithful to forgive you of that sin and continue to strengthen you to live for him and to go proclaim this gospel message to other people. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm just going to give us just a little bit of instructions of what I want us to do next after this. So let's pray first. So dear Lord, we thank you so much for this gospel message. We thank you so much for just how, even though we're under the curse of sin, you came to break the curse. And it's only through Christ that sin can be atoned for. It's only through Christ that our sins can be forgiven. It's only through Christ that we can repent and fight off sin and live for you and become more like Christ. And eventually Christ will one day come and end all of sin. We're thankful for this message that just brings hope and change and transformation is the only message. Would this just be the song of our lives? Would we preach the gospel to ourselves daily and never get over the power of the gospel? Would you help us with this? And then take this gospel message, preach it to ourselves daily, and then go out into a dark and dying and broken world to proclaim this gospel to other people so other people can be reconciled back to you and be able to proclaim this gospel message to others as well. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.